When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everyone, and welcome into the Dear Miss Fantasy show. I am your host, Tara Roberts. It is week five, and this is your official mailbag show for Player Profiler. So happy to be the official mailbag show of Player Profiler. We're in week five. I've been with you here for four weeks now. I hope you're all doing fantastic. I'm actually going to, sometimes I do like an intro here, but I'm actually going to jump us in like super quick because I ran long last week and we've got a ton to cover um, because last week was a weird week and we've got some interesting mailbag questions. So you guys are not going to want to miss out on these. Before I do dive in, I hope you all had a fantastic fantasy week. Um, This one was a strange one for me. I'm not going to lie. It was not a good week. I'm heavily invested. You guys know I'm heavily invested in Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Tyreek Hill, my guys, um, <laughs> my guys didn't show up the way that they needed to let me down a little bit. Uh, yeah, tight ends were a hot mess this week, but we'll get into that. Darren Waller, we'll get into that because we've got some mailbag questions around it. And obviously we want to cover everything that has gone on. So we'll go ahead and, uh, dive right into the hot topics that I've got a fun game that I want us to play a little buy sell with a uh, quarterback. So I pulled the rankings for quarterbacks and average points per game. And we're going to run through, not run through the entire list. Cause that's super long, like 32 plus quarterbacks, but we're going to run through that, pull out the ones that are relevant, talk about whether or not we are buying or selling what is going on with them um, for the ones that are kind of those outlier players that we're going to talk about some injuries. And then we will jump into the mailbag. So to start us off, I feel I feel like um, I don't I don't want to say cheap, but I feel like I'm going for the low hanging fruit and talking about Miami um, every other week. But if I but but you have to, you have to. Um, we're gonna break down this game right here, specifically talking about Achan, Mostert, and Tua. Um, and I really want to do Achan versus Mostert because. Obviously, we had a, you know, questions, not just in this show, but just all over the place. I take questions on Twitter. I do start sits throughout the week, Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday, just all multiple, uh, multiple hours of this. So I've got a pretty good baseline for the questions and the players that you guys are honed in on. And obviously, you know, where we were, what we were doing with HN was a big one. And I think we talked about it last week. Um where we were starting him. I was okay with starting him in a flex position. Now, obviously, turns out um, he's more than a flex, but but I was okay with starting him in a flex position because the thing about um, this Miami run game is that they have tough matchups. I'm not going to lie. It's a difficult schedule ahead for them. But the thing is, is that when these defenses are attacking Miami and they're looking across the backfield. Now, maybe this is going to have to change because of what's, you know, the production that HN's put out, but I don't think so because Buffalo demolished Miami. So it seems like a good script. Um, You let the backfield run and you stop Tua 
Tyreek, and Waddle. That's all you got to do. Um, now, you, granted, you have to have the defense to do it because that's a, that's a tough and it's a tall task, but that's the goal right there for defenses. They're not looking at Miami and saying, we got to stop the run. They're looking at Miami and saying, we got to stop the pass. And therefore, the backfield benefits. So from that perspective, I was looking at this as like, okay, Mostert, he's probably going to retain, you know, 60% of the work and A-chan's going to get 40. He's earned it. He's earned it. That's a good share. And 40% of the backfield work for A-chan, who I assume will be very productive with his carries, that was enough for me to say, yeah, we're flexing him. It's cool. I have him in a dynasty league. <sighs> no redraft shares, unfortunately. That is painful. But um, I have him in a dynasty league. Um, my favorite dynasty league. My my whole league. Um, with my brother and all his friends. And um, it's a and it's a, it's a good. It's a deep. It's a deep league. Ten team league, but very deep lineup, multiple flex options, super flex, multiple. You so you know you keep it deep so that it's competitive even with a ten team league. And last minute, I was like, you know what? Let's look at across my lineup, pretty stacked. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna switch out HN. Last minute, put him in there. I have a lot of options here, but I'm feeling like that's the direction that I want to go. And boy, was it a good choice. Uh, HN played sixty percent of snaps, eight carries, 101 yards. That's like 12 yards per carry, over 12 yards per carry. That's insane. Two touchdowns. Um, and the fact that this production is mainly coming on the ground, he had three receptions on five targets, 19 yards, but because he is putting it, he's being so successful because he's electric on the ground. I mean, that's incredible. It just means that in theory, you know, can't get scripted out of the game when you're so productive on the ground. Mostert, on the other hand, unfortunately, 43% of snaps, seven carries, nine yards, 1.29 yards per carry, zero touchdowns, three receptions, 36 yards. I started um, Mostert in a couple of redraft leagues. Very, uh, I did not expect it to flip that quickly. I mean, expected HN to earn a strong role and to be very start worthy. Now, granted, this could have been a little bit of a game script because obviously Miami was playing from behind and perhaps that they wanted HN more so on the field in a negative game script. But at the same time, we talked about the fact that he got the bulk of his work and his success on the ground. Utilized in the red zone. I mean, I just don't see any downside here. Um, this is this is a tough one. We cannot we can't ignore this level of performance against a strong defense. What is this man gonna do against another weak defense? That's the question here. So, I mean, at this point, Ajan is a must start. Most it becomes the question of you know, now I guess he's the flex play that you have to worry about. And you can look at this and say, hey, you know, I don't think that his production is going to completely disappear. Um, and maybe things adjust in a positive game script. And I think that's what we kind of need to hone in on is finding, you know, fine tuning what's going to happen in terms of how this backfield will operate in a positive game script. Um, not saying don't believe what most what A-Chain did 
don't buy into it. Don't start him. You know, he's clearly, um, obviously a top 20 back. No question. Just let's just wait for Mostert and kind of see how he operates in a different game script. On the opposite end, talking about Tua, um, which is very interesting. Oh, by the way, actually, before I move on to the running backs, um, I did not get any of these mailbag questions, but I'm seeing it all over the place. Jeff Wilson. People are saying, you know, they've got Jeff Wilson stashed on IR, or maybe he's on waivers, and people are like, you know, what are we what are we gonna do with Jeff Wilson? I don't honestly, I genuinely don't think that he is a viable fantasy option. Mostert is the preferred back to Wilson, in my opinion. When looking at last year, I think that's the direction that um I think that's the direction that Mike McDaniel wanted to go, in my opinion. And injuries and whatnot just kind of kept it being this weird like 50-50 split. But I think that Mostert is the preferred back between him and Jeff Wilson. So from that perspective, I would struggle to see where you need to hold on to. I mean, if he's an IR, obviously hold him. It doesn't hurt you. But I don't feel like we need to be targeting or worried about the addition of Jeff Wilson. So just keep that in mind. Um, but moving on to Tua. <laughs> and why you should uh, why you should sell him high over the next several weeks. Let's break down the performances of what he's done versus tough defenses. And this is like I I love Tua. I love Tua. So again, just to be very clear, love Tua. He is not putting up poor football performances from a football perspective. It's not a major issue, right? Buffalo is just a superior team. Um, just give me, you know, give me some leeway on that. We're talking about from a fantasy perspective. Let's talk about Tua versus New England. 12.26 fantasy points. They won that game, but it was against a difficult defense. And that was a strong game. Raheem Mostert, that was before HN had his breakout. That was Raheem Mostert had 25 fantasy points in that game. Again, strong defense, shut down Tua. Make the running back beat you. Tua versus Buffalo. 13.98 fantasy points. He's just not putting up numbers against tough defenses. His accuracy is still fine. Yards still fine. Um, he's going to have one interception apparently. But if there's only one touchdown, which has been the trend, it's a short trend, but that's been the trend, you will be disappointed because at the end of the day, he's a pocket passer. He has no rushing upside. A couple of episodes we had, a couple of episodes ago, we had a mailbag question of Tua versus Fields. And I was on the field side. And obviously I felt kind of bad about that after the Denver performance. Um, but that's just one performance, unfortunately. And I think this week kind of outlines why I'm not really all in on Tua versus a quarterback that has rushing upside. Again, from a real football perspective, zero issues. But when you have no rushing upside, and we're looking at, let's look at the top performing quarterbacks in week four. Josh Allen, rushing upside. Had a rush, uh, I don't know if he had a rushing touchdown actually, but you know, he's strong through the air, but a rushing quarterback. Justin Fields, rushing quarterback. Anthony Richardson, rushing quarterback. It certainly was not his, um, Passing, he completed 11 passes. It was certainly not his passing performance that put him up there in the top five. Number four, 
Jalen Hurts. Number five, Lamar Jackson. Top five quarterbacks rushing upside. That is the issue there, unfortunately, with pocket passers in fantasy football. There is a limit to the upside that they have. Now, that being said, um, Tua is still a fine start, but you just have to you have to realize that more than likely in these tough matchups, he is someone that you maybe need to pivot away from and look for a higher upside streaming option in a better matchup. And the problem with why I think he personally is a sell high now, you know, wait over the next couple of games, right? Not right after this one, but wait over the next couple of games. He'll bounce back his playoff schedule, New York jets, Dallas, Baltimore. I just, I don't know how comfortable I feel starting Tua, and I could, I could theoretically start him against Baltimore, but Baltimore is one of those defenses where their defense against the pass purely depends on who is healthy at the time. Um, so you never know with them. You never know. But the Jets in Dallas, I don't know if I feel comfortable starting Tua at that time, unfortunately. So that is the, that's the only concern there for me. Um, I, uh, let's talk about Chicago as well. We'll do this real quick here. Um, since we were just talking about Tua versus Justin Fields. So Justin Fields with this incredible bounce back performance, right? And if you watched the show last week or any of the, um, any, really any of the content or anything that I did this past week, um, one of the things that I said was like, we're not bailing out. This was a huge part of last week's show. Honestly, we're not bailing out on Justin Fields right now. It's not happening. You got to consider like he did have difficult matchups and there was logical reasons as to why he was underperforming and you couldn't not send him out there against Denver. I hope you listen. I hope you did it because incredible performance. And I think it just, you know, one, it highlights, honestly, you can kind of technically roll out anyone and everyone against Denver. That defense is dreadful on another level. You know, Justin Fields has never had a 300-yard passing game prior to this point. That is how bad, how bad that Denver defense is. 28 completions, 35 yards. They had him out there looking like he was Patrick Mahomes. Like I, like four passing touchdowns. This is bad. He didn't do it on the ground. He had only 25 rushing yards. That Denver defense is bad on another level. That said... Denver won the game. Uh, so <laughs> Chicago is Chicago going to implode? Yes. Yes, they are. Eberflus is a mess beyond the whole Chase Claypool being told to stay home and Eberflus saying, no, he chose to. And then a Chicago representative saying, no, no, we told him he was told to stay home. I mean, honestly, I just don't, the only way that he makes it through the season is if they look at him and say, you know what? He's doing such a poor job. Just guide us to this, this first overall pick. Just go right on and do that. Since clearly them and uh, Carolina's pick, Chicago is going to have two very, very high draft picks. But the thing that I want to point out here is that Justin Fields bounced back. Fantastic. He's got a you know difficult matchup upcoming against Washington. They are a stout defense. But after that, we've got Minnesota, 
Las Vegas, LA Chargers. These are all games over the next month in which you can start him with confidence, in my opinion. This is going to be a good time period. Even against Washington, I'd be willing to rule him out because he's coming off of that good performance. He's feeling hot. Washington is up and down and up and, you know, how Sam Howell can be, right? Um, so there could be a lot of, you know, maybe Sam Howell turns the ball over a couple of times and there's, you know, equal opportunities. They're two bad teams facing each other. So, hey, it could be interesting. No offense, Washington. But, um... But yeah, this is going to be a nice opportunity for Justin Fields to get solid production over the next month. And this is also a nice opportunity for you to sell him because Chicago's situation as a whole is so incredibly shaky. I don't mind it if you stick it out with him because, again, this is like they got through that kind of rough portion of the schedule and things are going to get better for him. But I just feel so uncomfortable with the possibility of them losing their head coach midseason because looking over their schedule, there's only realistically a couple of games um, where they can actually win. That's a really bad situation. Their team is a mess. This is not an improved team. Somehow it's gotten worse. So I don't know if you really want to be part of that or really have any pieces within that if you can if you can manage to get out of them that is my only recommendation there before we move on to our next topic here let's hear a word from our sponsor this episode brought to you by Mojo. Mojo is that player stock market. We love Mojo because we like making lifetime bets on players. You run out the clock on these guys. Mojo just rolled out a brand new fantasy platform. That's right. So now you can build a portfolio of player props. Oh, Jamar Chase over 77.5. Oh, Kadarius Tony under 15.5. Whatever the under is on Kadarius Tony, doesn't matter. You can just stack up the props in your portfolio. And the beauty is, once the Sunday games kick off, it's not over. It's not over until it's over with Mojo because once those games kick off, you can then move in and out of positions. Let's say that you're well ahead of expectations. You can cash out. Let's say you're behind expectations. You're underwater. Well, you can double down. That's what makes Mojo so special, why they're different. Check it out. Go to the App Store. Get the Mojo app and use the promo code UNDERWORLD. The promo code UNDERWORLD. Gets you a 100% deposit match up to 100 bucks. So the promo code is UNDERWORLD, and they will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Go to Mojo, start building your portfolio, and then during the games, you can be a fantasy day trader. All right, let's jump back into the show. I wanted to try something different for this week because um, it's a new show. We can try fun new things, see how we like it. Let me get, you know, uh, if you listen to this, you know, either if it's on the YouTube, um, on the YouTube channel, on the Player Profiler YouTube channel, let me know in the comments what you think. Um, if you're listening on the podcast version, you can tag me on Twitter or you can go to the YouTube channel and drop a comment in there after the show as well. Just let me know. Let me know if this is something that you'd like to do on a weekly basis. Um, we're going to do a little buy or sell here um, before we move on to the mailbag portion. We're going to do a little buy or sell here. I pulled the quarterbacks um, 
season-long performances and average points per game. Remove the guys like Aiden O'Connell and Andy Dalton, the one-hit wonder. And we're going to go through and see where these guys are ranked and talk about whether we buy or sell it. Now, we're going to jump over the ones that are obvious. Um, my boy, Justin Herbert. <laughs> QB1. Obviously. I buy it, but we'll jump over the obvious ones. So guys like Justin Herbert and Josh Allen, we'll go ahead to uh, QB3, Anthony Richardson. Are we buying into Anthony Richardson? Yeah, we have to. <laughs> I know we have to. Um, the passing the passing will be up and down, unfortunately, um, for people who roster, like me, who roster Michael Pittman Jr. Um, there are going to be some ebbs and flows within this um, within the situation, but they don't have the worst schedule in the world. They have some pass friendly situations, like we've got Tennessee coming up, and I know Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow failed to. Um, we'll talk about Joe Burrow in a second. Don't think that I'm skipping over that. I'm not. <laughs> um, Joe Burrow failed to take advantage of that Tennessee defense but i think that anthony richardson could take a decent stab at it so we could see a nice little bounce back here for those past catchers but anthony richardson um has had a rushing touchdown in every single game this season now we have the caveat we do have the caveat of jonathan taylor potentially coming back and how that could affect this offense um would the head coach i don't think there's the bitter Feelings appear to be behind, uh, between Jim Irsay and Jonathan Taylor. I don't feel like Shane Steichen is really involved in this. He's in, he's new to the team. He doesn't really have a dog in this fight. Um, I imagine that like this can't be uh, negativity from Jonathan Taylor towards him. But I think it kind of comes down to how Shane Steichen wants to um, utilize Taylor within this offense. If, if he does indeed play this week or next week, or, you know, whenever he does play, it's going to be interesting because as we've seen previously in Shane Steichen offenses, the rushing quarterback does in fact get the preference. Um, Miles Sanders had a fantastic year last year in Philadelphia. Um, yards for carry yards obviously were strong and whatnot. He put up, you know, a near RB one performance, but obviously, you know, it does kind of cap the rushing touchdowns and the upside that you have. So it's going to be interesting to see how he does that, but I am buying Anthony Richardson and this performance that he has had thus far. And I know it is heavily based off of the rushing upside that he brings on the ground, but I just don't see where that disappears or where they make a major adjustment to kind of limit him. And it's possible that the addition of Jonathan Taylor as a running back just opens things up even more for him. So, I mean, this is just, you have to buy into it and it'll be fantastic. Once we finally see him kind of pull together that um, the passing portion as well. Strong in week one, but that was against Jacksonville's defense, which has been a little shaky. L.A. Rams defense kind of gets up per game. So, you know, I kind of expected this one to be a little bit more of a struggle for him. But we're, we're buying into Anthony Richardson. Number four, though. Do you guys know who uh, number four is? Number four is my boy, Jordan Love. Are we buying into Jordan Love's performance as the overall QB four. Yes, we are. I am. Look, it, is it going to stay at the top five? No, 
No, it's not. But he is a QB1. So we are buying into that from that perspective. At this point, Jordan Love is a solid start, um, especially given the matchups. You look at their upcoming schedule. We've got Vegas this week. No, Justin Herbert kind of laid a little bit of an egg last week against them with his um, unfortunate finger injury. But other than that, Vegas has not been a very difficult um, defense. We've got Denver after the bye week, Minnesota. I mean, uh, LA or Pittsburgh, LA Chargers. This is a, it, it, who else? Oh my gosh, the New York Giants. This is a good schedule for Jordan Love. Like really, really good. So he benefits from that. And on top of that, the thing that I wanted to point out with him as well, with Jordan Love and um, why I am buying into it. Their offensive line is terrible. They lost David Bakhtiari for the season. And as we see this offensive line struggle, we are going to see the rushing game struggle. We've watched A.J. Dillon. I know if you've watched it, I've watched it. Um, I'm a Packers fan, and I've watched A.J. Dillon struggle um, at the goal line for four weeks in a row. And this just ain't it, unfortunately. I don't believe that he has the the push to be able to push beyond this offensive line not being good, unfortunately. And I think what we're going to see is we're getting to that red zone. We're going to see more tilting towards Jordan Love. Um, Matt LaFleur calling Jordan Love's number and saying, okay, you run it in if you've got it. He's going to have that option, in my opinion. And with that rushing upside that we just talked about with Anthony Richardson, these rushing upside quarterbacks, he just has more rushing upside than we thought. There's not a ton of yards there. Um, he had negative two yards in one rushing touchdown. Crazy. Um, but the opportunity is there. And I think that it's going to, you know, give him that solid, stable floor. So I'm buying into Jordan Love as a top 12 quarterback, not top five, but I think he's a solid QB one. And if for some crazy reason he is not rostered in your league, he has to be at this point. Uh, jumping down um, to a, we talked about Tua, so I'm not going to dive into this one. Um, I am on the sell side with Tua, unfortunately. Um, I Again, it's just pocket passer. You get a little bit concerned, and there are going to be those games where he does have those subpar performances. Now, jumping down, and that's Tua at QB7. Now, jumping down to QB8, we have Kirk Cousins. Are we buying into Kirk Cousins? He finally had the, the anti-Cinderella game. Um, in a bat in and in a good matchup actually against a Carolina defense. Um, 12 completions, ugh, 19 attempts, 139 yards. Now, granted, sometimes Carolina's defense can get up, they've got talent, but they have also dealt with a lot of injuries. So I was kind of surprised a little bit that he wasn't able to exploit that defense a little bit more. Um, look, it. Upcoming now this week against Kansas City, I waver a little bit, but you do kind of have to buy into what Kirk Cousins is doing. The reason we're seeing such an aggressive uptick in his production is that the defense is absolutely terrible. And maybe that played a little bit of a part in it. This, you know, wasn't a bad game. Um, so maybe that played a little bit of part in why Kirk Cousins didn't have to push aggressive volume. But most of the time, he is having to push aggressive volume to make up for the fact that his defense is worse than last year, unfortunately. So Kirk Cousins is a top 12 quarterback. We are buying. 
I should have, I guess I'm buying a lot of stuff. Selling too. So buying Anthony Richardson, buying Jordan Love, selling Tua. Um, I feel like you guys are going to come at me with a pitchfork for that one, but I've got my reasons. We talked through it. And buying-ish Kirk Cousins. And then one more in the top 10 or top 12, coming in at 11, CJ Stroud. Are we buying into CJ Stroud? We are buying into CJ Stroud as a guy that you must roster a guy who is a strong streaming option. Not necessarily a weekly start, but again, I talked about CJ Stroud a little bit last week and I have across um, across other platforms as well. What CJ Stroud is putting out has been highly impressive. We have to buy into it. He's bringing, you know, as a rookie, he's bringing everything that we need to see. So fantastic, really overall. And 100% something that you have to buy into just because of the way that he's doing it as well. Um, he's very efficient. He's throwing for yardage as well. These are, you know, the deep ball is fantastic. He's not, you know, these are not, you know, check downs and dink and dunk and, you know, that way of getting fantasy points, but no, he's, he's, he is a quarterback. Looks excellent. We're not seeing those rookie issues from him. He is pushing this team forward in a way that is very impressive. Um, shout out to D'Amico Ryans as well. Just really pulling this whole group together. Now we're going to go down further down the list to number 21, Trevor Lawrence, averaging 15 fantasy points. This one hurts, obviously, aside from me being Clemson alumni. I really thought that this was going to be a, a strong, strong performance for a strong year from Trevor Lawrence. Um, coming off of that strong finish to the season. And I don't see the progression. It's like a trumped up version of Chicago, unfortunately, um, where they look very similar to last year. And it doesn't look like they made any improvements. We thought offensively they would see improvements with Calvin Ridley. But aside from that first game, Calvin Ridley has been, he's been a dud, unfortunately. Christian Kirk stepped up, you know, Zay Jones has been dealing with an injury, but overall this offense should be performing at a high level, a higher level. And it's been disappointing, unfortunately. Um, Trevor Lawrence, we're, we're not buying into Trevor Lawrence, unfortunately. It's a sell. I, I got a bad feeling that again, he, what was kind of making him, because he's, he's a pocket passer, but he has rushing upside. But if he's not getting the rushing upside, if those opportunities are not there, yeah, he's going to average 15 fantasy points. That kind of does make a little bit of sense, unfortunately. So we are selling um, Trevor Lawrence. Moving further down the list with Dak Prescott. Um, this one I'll make really quick. Dak was a big, massive avoid from me in draft season. Every red flag of a quarterback that I would not take under any circumstance. And I never understood why anyone else was looking at it in a positive way. He's averaging 13.9 fantasy points. Mike McCarthy told us exactly what he was going to do. He was very clear. He did not, he wanted to lower the pass volume and rely on the run game and slow things down so that they could alleviate the defense and that the defense could shine and carry them while the defense is shining. The defense is carrying Mike McCarthy did exactly what he said he was going to do. And I'm not entirely sure why people just why people didn't believe that he was going to do it because <laughs> he told us specifically what was going to happen when he fired Kellen Moore. He told us what was going to happen. And here it is low 
volume pass offense. Dak Prescott, 13.9 fantasy points. This is, yeah, we are selling because this is what it's going to be, unfortunately. I I don't feel comfortable in any way, shape, or form starting Dak Prescott this season. I would pivot to a thousand other options. Um, and then at number 32, and this is sad, at number 32, again, I removed the one-hit wonder. So this is this is our actual top-to-bottom list and average points per game. Who is number 32? It's Derek, uh, <laughs> not Derek Carr. It is Derek Carr is right above him. It is Joe Burrow behind Derek Carr, Bryce Young, Ryan Tannehill, Desmond Ritter, Kenny Pickett, Zach Wilson. This is a problem. This is a problem. Um, he's injured. He's injured. He's playing through it. It's it's not working out. He has no mobility. He should not have played. Um, this is a hot mess. Now we've got T. Higgins dealing with an injury as well. <sighs> This is not good, unfortunately. Um, I am still buying Joe Burrow because it is Joe Burrow. That QB 32 is very sad, very scary. But you got to be hopeful that after their bye week, maybe he has some time to heal and can come back. So they've got two games here and then a bye week. Um so we might have to have two subpar performances, unfortunately, especially when we consider that T Higgins might be absent or limited or playing through an injury. We don't know. This is just, this is not a good situation for Cincinnati. I wish they would just sit Burrow, but for us, I don't think we even need to make these decisions. He last week played Tennessee. I was all in on starting him. Um, did not work out for me was all in on him in DFS, did not work out for me. I was shocked, confused, befuddled. But unfortunately, he's just not Joe Burrow right now. So we've got to look at that from that perspective. Um, and we can still buy into him as the player in that he will bounce back at some point. I don't think this is going to be some outlier year where Joe Burrow for the entire year finishes as QB 32. There's got to be a bounce back coming. I told you to wait for it with... Um, with Justin Fields and it's going to come for Joe Burrow, but my gut tells me that it's not going to come until after the bye week. So we're sitting him for right now, but we're buying for long-term. Um, I'm going to go through the injury news real quick. Cause we're running a little bit long uh, before I dive in though, but as a reminder, the player profiler all in package has been lowered to $85 through the end of October. The all in package gets subscribers access to our player rankings, dynasty rankings, DFS dominator, data analysis and the world famous draft kit when it drops in the off season. Um, so you gotta, you gotta get that. Um, fantastic information will 100% help you with all of your fantasy teams. So go check that out and get the, get the discount on it lower to $85. Um, going through the injury news real quick, so I can jump into the mailbag again, we've got Deshaun Watson, hopefully coming back because unfortunately Dorian Thompson Robinson, it wasn't his fault. He was thrown into a situation that he shouldn't have, and it was just a bad situation, but it affected every single Cleveland player in the worst way. Um, so we hope that Deshaun Watson comes back this week. Uh, Justin Herbert dealing with the finger, Matt Stafford with the hip, Kenny Pickett's knee. We are more than likely going to see Mitch Trubisky, which is kind of <laughs> kind of the same thing. Um, Javante Williams dealing with that um, hip injury. It's not reportedly serious, not expected to miss much time if any, um, 
We know how that goes. Expect him to miss time. And, you know, Jaleel McLaughlin is definitely somebody that you can look at for um, for the time that he's out. And honestly, I like him for rest of season as well because he was getting those goal line touches. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Um, Devontae Adams with his shoulder, T. Higgins ribs we talked about. Um, Debo ribs, hopefully. like <laughs> Hopefully he'll have some targets this week. Uh, Mike Evans dealing with the hamstring, but we've got the bye week. So maybe he'll be back after that. Jahan Dotson dealing with the concussion or dealing with the ankle issue. And then Pat Firemuth with the hamstring. He's going to be out guys. Um, more than likely. I don't think it's official yet. Um, but um, Pat Firemuth dealing with the hamstring injury is a big issue as well. All right. Um, we are going to jump into the mailbag question. Um, before I do that though, just a reminder. Um, we have fantastic shows across the entire play profiler, player profiler network. And one of the ones that I love to watch is wake and take daily morning show with Jason Allen Monday through Friday. Um, which is, you know, Hey, a, a morning show every single day. Jason is a warrior for doing that one, but there's literally nothing better than just waking up and getting like, you're just your daily, your daily recap of everything, your daily information, right? You like to get up, get that. So it's a nice morning show. Check it out. Um, you will not be disappointed for sure. Jumping into the mailbag questions from Rochford J15. Four point per touchdown. Howell, Wilson, or Dobbs? This is a good question. This is a really good question here. So Howell versus Chicago. Wilson versus New York Jets. Dobbs versus Cincinnati. In a vacuum, with no defensive issues, you would say Russell Wilson, who's performing at a top 12 quarterback level right now because his defense is so bad that he has to push out volume. But against the New York Jets, I just can't get there. Dobbs versus Cincinnati. Cincinnati's defense has been very suspect. That one is interesting because Joshua Dobbs, again, he has that rushing upside. He's been performing at a high level. Um when you remove that one first game, um, he's been extremely solid. You know, we put that first week aside because he had literally just gotten with the team. Outside of that, once he cut his legs under him, he's been fantastic. Um, Jonathan Gannon has really, I don't want to say, I mean, they're, it's not like they're performing at an extremely high level, but I feel like he's outdone himself because we expected this offense to, in the defense, really just the team as a whole to be a hot mess, and it hasn't. They've been competitive in games where they could be competitive. And Dobbs has performed at a high level. And Hollywood Brown has been strong. We've got Michael Wilson with the breakout game. So, I mean, James Conner, my boy, you know, being solid. So, really, um, it's tough for me not to say Dobbs. But Howell versus Chicago just kind of seems like a layup. Now, granted, he could have his his Sam Howell moments, but that is the direction that I would go with tacking the Chicago defense for sure. Um, question from Saul Bosquez, drop Waller, um, two point question, actually drop Waller is the first part and then Garrett Wilson seller hold. So we'll do the drop Waller portion here. Um, you got to keep Waller. You got to keep Waller. And one thing that I wanted to point out, because I've seen this on um, Twitter as well, where People are kind of saying like, well, 
you know, what did we, you know, y'all, everyone was overdrafting Darren Waller. He shouldn't have been drafted there. Um, what were you expecting with that offense? You know, you were just going based off of, oh, he's the only guy that you could throw to or something like just all over, all over. No particular call outs or anything. I've seen it just like all over the place. And I kind of disagree. Um, we are holding Waller because he is at the end of the day, he is Darren Waller. And as long as he's healthy, he is still um, a viable fantasy option, even in such a dreadful New York Giants offense. But did we really overdraft Darren Waller? I mean, Titans in general just go higher than they should. But if we look at the guys that were being drafted behind Darren Waller, so Darren Waller was being drafted as tight end five. Being drafted behind him is Kyle Pitts. He's outperforming Kyle Pitts. Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard, who has literally given us nothing. Evan Ingram is the only one being drafted behind Darren Waller that has massively outproduced him. We we underestimated the continuation of of, uh, of Evan Ingram's development and his resurgence and the way that he has been, him and Travis Etienne have been the only steady pieces within that Jacksonville offense. But other guys being drafted behind Darren Waller, David Njoku, Pat Fryermuth, Dalton Schultz, Don Kincaid, like, no, Darren Waller wasn't overdrafted. He was drafted exactly where he needed to be. It's just that Titans as a whole have been dreadful. That is the only difference there. Um, so we're keeping Darren Waller. Uh, Brian Dayball has to figure something out here. That is, that's the big issue. Um, but we're keeping Darren Waller. Sell or hold with Garrett Wilson. We're holding, I'm, so I'm hold and keep positive today. Um, we're holding Garrett Wilson. This is the first sign of life that we've had from Zach Wilson. The first time that we've seen um, support from his teammates. The first time we've seen, you know, decent development for him. Um, and if he can continue down this path and if the Jets can have more positive feelings toward him, he's got the support of Robert Sala. And if the team can rally behind him after the performance that he put on against Kansas City, I can see where this can not head in a winning direction, but in a more positive direction to where we feel more comfortable with Garrett Wilson. I don't think that Garrett Wilson is going, I don't think that anyone is going to give you what you want for Garrett Wilson. If you can sell him for good value, yeah, do that. But don't sell him low right now. Don't, don't, you know, don't look at Garrett Wilson and say, I'm, I'm trying to get out of Garrett Wilson. I would not sell low on him. Um, by the way, that question was from uh, TR, Riz, and J. All right, next question from BG97. What to do with Roshan Johnson? Hold or drop? I told you guys I was hold happy and keep happy, and I'm sticking with that. Um, we're holding <laughs> on Roshan Johnson. This was the first positive game script that we have seen from Chicago. And I think we need to consider that they may, if they are able to rely on Khalil Herbert on the ground, they may just prefer to do that. Or if, if, if he's hot and things are going well and they're up and they can do that, I think that's what happened. I think we discovered that in a positive game script, we might see Rashawn Johnson scripted out. But the good news is, is that not everybody is Denver's defense. And there's probably not going to be a bunch of positive game scripts for Chicago moving forward. 
So that said, I still think that Rashawn does have a role within this offense. I think it just might be a little bit game script dependent and we need to be a little bit more cautious with him. Um, Khalil Herbert, if you do have him and you want to sell high on him, I would totally do that right now because I don't think that this production will stick. I think we will see more of what we saw before games where he was getting 30 to 40 yards total on the ground. Uh, I think this game might've been an anomaly of facing the Denver defense. And then one more question from Alton George was Gibbs for JT the move. I think it was. Now I've been a little bit more positive towards um, Jonathan Taylor and the potential that he will play at some point in October. Now, in my opinion, we'll see him play in October. And whether or not it comes for Indianapolis or another team, that's the question. Uh, but I kind of think that teams maybe want to see him on the field before they sell. I mean, we've got until the end of the month for a trade to happen. But at the very least, we've seen Zach Moss thrive within this offense and have very solid games. So we're seeing that this, you know, the offense is gelling. The line is fine. The run game is fine. We've got good quarterbacking from Anthony Richardson. So Jonathan Taylor, if he did stay in Indianapolis, would be, would have solid opportunity. Gibbs, unfortunately, and this is kind of where um, we haven't talked about Jamison Williams um, because it's not a waiver wire show, but I worry that I have the same worry with Jamison Williams, which is why I bring it up. Dan Campbell is not going to change, in my opinion. This is working for them. Relying heavily on David Montgomery is working for them very well. And I don't think he's going to acquiesce on that. So I don't, Gibbs is unfortunately in a DeAndre Swift situation um, where he is limited and the production is just not there and we can't depend on him. And where we were drafting him, it was an overdraft. Um, so yeah, Gibbs for JT was the move. Gibbs for anybody might be the move if you can get somebody to buy him. But at this point, I don't think you can, unfortunately. He is a hold. If you were able to move him, you did it. Um, that was smart, for sure. If you did make that trade, um, excellent trade. If not, we're holding Gibbs for right now and we're praying that at some point we can sell him because uh, <laughs> got a bad feeling. All right. That wraps things up for the mailbag show. Um, if you have any questions, you can always hit me up on Twitter at it's Sarah time tag me and I um, do my best to respond to you. Um, if you got any starts at questions, trade questions, any of that good stuff. And then also let me know if you want any of your questions on the mailbag show as well. If you're listening on the podcast version, please subscribe. That would be greatly appreciated. If you're watching this on YouTube, Make sure that you like the video, drop me a comment, let me know what you think, um, and make sure that you're subscribed to Player Profiler as well. And that wraps things up. Good luck with your fantasy lineups next and um, this week. Good luck with your fantasy lineups this week, and I will catch you again next week.